Um, all right, grab your Bibles and get them out. We, are, we have been in a series on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And uh, this is the, we have two more messages today and, and next week. So this is the second to last message in this series. What does Jesus do? He highlights eight attributes, eight qualities, eight characteristics um, that he wants you and I to possess as his followers. These are characteristics he wants us to possess. And he says when we do possess these qualities, we will be blessed. Um, the, the, the Greek word there, blessed, is uh, the Greek word markios. It means supremely blessed, happy to be envied. So you could say that God's, uh, the Beatitudes are God's recipe for a happy life. God's uh, Beatitudes are a recipe for a blessed life and a fruitful life. How many want to be blessed, fruitful, happy, all those stuff? Yeah, it's good. Amen. So today we're going to look at the seventh Beatitude. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus says this to us. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are supremely blessed. Peacemakers are happy. Peacemakers are fruitful people. The first thing I want you to notice about this verse is what it does not say. It does not say that peacekeepers are blessed. It says that peacemakers are blessed. I want to explain the difference because the difference is important. The role of a peacekeeper is a passive role. It's just status quo. It's like, it's, it's a manager role. It's like, okay, we have this peace. Let's just keep the peace. Okay. The role of a peacemaker is an active role. There's something happening that's coming from the inside out. Um, one is trying to maintain something. That's the peacekeeper. They're trying to maintain something. They're trying to manage something. The other is actively creating something. The, the, the other one um, is actively manifesting something. This is a peacemaker. We are manifesting the kingdom around us. Peacekeepers try not to rock the boat. And they have a disposition to just kind of pacify the situation. That's a peacekeeper. It's like, well, let's just, everything's kind of good. Let's keep it. You know, and kind of pacify the situation. Um, I don't know if uh, you've ever lived with or been in a relationship with a, a hot-tempered person. But oftentimes, people around a hot-tempered person take on the role of a peacekeeper. It's like, just, I'm trying not to make you mad. I'm trying not to set you off. Just, you know, let's keep the parameters. Um, I don't know if you've ever been then lived in a home of an abusive person, maybe abusive alcoholic husband or father. Um, oftentimes everyone in that home is like walking on eggshells because it's like, let's just try not to make them mad, right? Um, so this is a very passive role, the, the peacekeeper. But peacemakers is different. Peacemakers bring a reality with them. They bring order into chaos, light into darkness, reconciliation into strife. They're manifesting something from another realm into, into this realm. It says this in Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we bring God's kingdom with us, we are going to bring God's peace with us. Because where the kingdom is, there is righteousness, there is peace, there is joy in the Holy Spirit. 
And so you and I want to be those kind of people that manifest the kingdom everywhere we go. Um, have you ever been around those people? The, the opposite is true. Have you ever been around those people where there's constant chaos and drama that follows them? Okay, that is not the kingdom. There's always drama. There's always strife. There's always turmoil. Um, they're constantly stirring people up and getting into business that they shouldn't get into. Okay, these are drama queens. We don't want to be like that. But the inverse is also true. Don't you love being around people who always bring a calm to a situation, always bring a peace to a situation? They're like, relax, let's take it down. We're going to get through this. We're going to pray with you. We're going to stand with you, right? God's got this. They just bring, they walk into a situation and they just bring the kingdom with them. They bring the peace of God into a situation. This is how we want to be. These people carry within themselves a kingdom, and that kingdom manifests itself as peace everywhere they go. It's important to note that this does not happen accidentally. I'm not talking about a personality type versus another. You know, some people are more outward and whatever, and some people are more inter- I'm not talking about a personality type. I'm talking about people who live intentionally to manifest the kingdom of God in their everyday lives. There is a spiritual dynamic that we're talking about here. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, he says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. In other words, if we're going to lay hold of the things of the kingdom, we're going to have to violently take hold of them. We're not going to be peacemakers by accident. We're going to be peacemakers because we violently lay hold and contend in the spirit realm for the promises of God in our lives. I don't know what your um, background and history is on like spiritual warfare, but us as Christians, like we're engaged in spiritual battles. And it is important to remember, nothing is just um, on the surface. There's always a spiritual dynamic behind everything in the unseen realm. And so, church, we have to forcefully lay hold of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It says this in Ephesians six twelve. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So ultimately, our fight, our battle, our contention is not with people, although it looks like people sometimes. Why? Because there's oftentimes a spirit behind the person. But we're not fighting against the person, are we? We're fighting against the spirit that's behind the person. The person's not our enemy. The spirit behind the person is our enemy. And oftentimes, if we tackle that spirit behind the person and bridge a gap with that person, the, the uh, contention will, will fall off. When discord is being sown, when fear is being propagated, when lies are being spread, it's people who have become a vehicle for demonic activity, but our war is not against them. Our war is against principalities, demonic uh, spirits in in the spiritual realm. And so today I want to talk about how to be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper. Um, How many know that um, the United Nations was was formed um, sometime after, a few years after World War II, and their goal was like, one of their goals, their stated goals, was to create peace for mankind, like from then on. How successful have they been? How many think they ever will succeed? Probably not. There might be glimmers of hope here and there, but how many know that there's never peace until the Prince of Peace comes, until Jesus comes? But as the church, we bring heaven to earth 
We, we manifest the kingdom everywhere we go. We bring peace with us. They are at best peacekeepers, not really peacemakers. But Jesus said this. How do we be peacemakers? Jesus said this. If you're a peacemaker, you're, you are called a child of God. How many want to be called a child of God? I want to look like my papa in heaven. So how do we become peacemakers? I'll give you, give you a few keys today. Number one, it starts with this. We have to believe in and receive God's peace for us. Okay? If you haven't come to the place where you realize you are at peace with your heavenly father, there's no way you're going to manifest peace in your everyday life. The sense and the feeling that there's distance, separation, a hostility between you and your creator, you will never have peace in your everyday life. We have to realize that Jesus has made peace with us. Now, what am I not saying? I'm not saying, um, the, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that our Father in heaven, he does discipline us um, like a father and a son in whom he delights. Okay? So he, does, he doesn't just let us run wild. <laughs> How many? Thank God for that, right? And if you have a son or a daughter, your parent, you don't just let your kids run wild. Like, you let them have fun, of course, but you don't let them be disrespectful. You train them. Why? Because you love them. This is the same thing with our Father in heaven. He doesn't just let us run wild. He does bring correction into our lives. But that correction is not hostility in the sense that there's war between us. It's actually him loving us. And it's important for us to know the distinction between those two things. There are times where it's like, oh, I'm feeling the Lord's correction, you know. But I know he loves me. And I know he has plans for me. And I know he's leading my life, okay. The, the, the wall of separation, the barrier of hostility has been torn down between me and God. We are at peace. He's my loving Father in heaven. We read this verse last week, Romans 4, 25. It says this, he was handed over to die, speaking of Jesus. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. His death was our death. His burial was our burial. His resurrection is our resurrection. But I want to show you this week the very next verse. So in the original um, text to the book of Romans, there wasn't chapters and verses. So the very next statement is this, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God. The war is over. The hostility has, has ended the conflict is over. We have peace with God. You can celebrate peace like the war is over. Amen? This is what Jesus has done for you and for me. And if we live in such a way where we understand that we, because of what Christ did for us, we have peace with God, we can receive that and we can begin to manifest that to other areas of our lives. If you don't settle this, you will never have peace in, in anywhere in your life. If you don't settle the fact that God has made you right with, Jesus has made you, us right with God. God made peace with us. The dividing wall of hostility has been torn down through Christ. What do we need to do? We need to believe it, and we need to receive it and walk in it. Amen? So that's point number one. If you don't get, that, if you don't get past that point, you won't get past any of these other points. Point number two, though, how do we become peacemakers? We have to make peace with others. Okay, this is where it starts getting complicated. Because forgiveness with God is actually pretty easy. He's forgiving. And when we come before him and we repent and when we ask for help and we, we come humbly, like he's, he helps us. 
but com- it's complicated when it becomes with other people. But this business of being a peacemaker with other people in our relationships is actually a very big deal to God. <clears throat> Believe it or not, if you have strife in a relationship, um, Jesus is more interested in you making that relationship right and having peace in that relationship than he is you coming here and worshiping or even tithing. I mean, those are great things. Tithing is good, giving, um, worshiping is good. But if you have interpersonal relationships that are strained, Jesus would rather you stop, go make that right, and then come back. Look what he says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. He says, and this is also, by the way, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. So this is just right after the Beatitudes. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Okay? Um, And then it says this in in 1 John uh, 4.20. It says this. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Wow. Wow. God is interested in us being peacemakers. And he doesn't say if you have odds against your brother or sister. Like, if you do, you probably should do something about that. But he's like, if you know they have odds against you, this is the way that Jesus says Right? If you know your brother has something against you, go leave your gift and go make it right with that person. In other words, you might think, well, I don't have a problem. It's their problem. Well, it would just be fine if, you know, they didn't have a problem. Well, Jesus says, if you know they have a problem, go to them and fix the problem. Puts the responsibility on us if someone else has offended us. It's, it's really interesting. Now, I don't want to get up here and pretend like I've got all this figured out and all my relationships are always perfect because they're not. If you're like me, you have a few relationships that could use some work. Okay, if you're like me, there's always some that could use some work. Now, I'll say it like this. If you're like me, you probably have low-hanging fruit, relationships that can be easily fixed, mid-hanging fruit, it's a little more difficult, and then you have high-hanging fruit. Let me talk about each of these. The low-hanging fruit is this. Maybe you have a few relationships that aren't good, but they could probably be fixed with a conversation, a text, an email, something very simple. Something, Something as simple as like, hey, I don't know if you remember this, but I said that thing, and I think it offended you. I just want to reach out and check in. Are we good? I'm sorry about that. And that may or may not be something. But those are just, I think we all have those little relationships day to day. There's just low-hanging fruit. And I just want to encourage you, don't leave low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit. Go pick it. Go pick it. If you can, if you can fix something today with a quick text or a, a quick email or a quick check-in, and you know it'll probably just solve that situation, go fix it. Go pick that fruit. Don't leave low-hanging fruit. We all probably have things like that. And then there's mid-hanging fruit. These situations, they're a little more difficult, but with some work, they're fixable, right? Um, I'll give you an example of this in my own life. When I was 19 years old, um, I said this in the last service, I wasn't a good person. I don't know that I'm still, I'm not sure if I'm still a good person, but I know for sure that I wasn't when I was 19. Um, I, I tried to love God and whatever, but I had a lot of problems, okay? 
had a lot of issues, had a lot of immaturity. And um, at that time in my life, I was actually going through quite a, quite a bit in my life. And I was, I was working a job, I was 19 years old, I worked at uh, Safeway in um, Thornton, and I was a meat cutter. And I remember I went in one day, and I'm just having really terrible time with some coworkers. I had a lot of personal problems in my life, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to walk out of this place. I'm, just, I'm done. You know, I don't know if you've ever walked in on a job before. And I did. I, like, I quit. I walked out. I just, like, I left. Didn't even tell anyone. I, <laughs> I walked out of there. Um, I don't recommend this, by the way. This is not, I talked about integrity a couple weeks ago. This is not integrity. <laughs> that same day, not like the next day, that same day, I packed up my car, and I moved, literally moved across the country, like to the other side, of the, to the East Coast, the other side of the country. And I was there for about a couple weeks, and then moved back. Like, this is just a picture of how... How much of a mess my life was at that point. Jesus got a hold of me later on, all right? So long story short, I move up to Greeley, and I'm like, I shouldn't have walked out on that job because I actually want to go back and work at the Safeway in Windsor, you know, and I'm, I had the, some meat-cutting skills, you know. I was like, I could make a little money doing this. And so they were hiring a meat cutter. I went in to, like, you know, see if I can get my old job back. Well, um, I was actually unhirable because I'd walked out before. And in fact, the, the, when I quit the job before, when I walked out, I called, you know, the store manager and I said, yeah, I'm quitting. When's my check and whatever. And he's like, well, just so you know, you'll never work for this company ever again because you walked out. And I'm like, good. I don't want to, you know, I was just such a brat, you know, uh, very immature. Well, it turns out, yeah, like a year later, I'm like, dang, shouldn't have done that. Kind of want my job back. Well, anyway, I was unhirable. And, but, but they needed the help, so they actually had to go to the district manager at that time and get permission to hire me again because I, I was, like, on the list of unhirable. They got permission to hire me, and so I'm, then I got my job, and it was a good job for me. I, I worked as a meat cutter for, I don't know, eight, nine years, and it paid my bills, and it was good. Well, anyway, um, one day, my old store manager, who he stepped out of being a store manager, and then he became a vendor who jumped around to different stores, and he was working in my store. So he'd moved up to northern Colorado as well, and he's working in one of my stores. And I was like, you know what? I have unfinished business with this guy. I left that in a place where I didn't have integrity, I didn't do the right thing, and I need to go make it right with this guy. So he was, he was working, and I came up you know, on, on one of the aisles, I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. I used to work at your store as a meat cutter, and I just want to say, like, I walked out with no notice, and I was going through a lot of stuff at the time, but I just want to say that was, that was not integrity, and I just want to apologize for that, and I hope we're good, you know. And he shook my hand and was like, yeah, no, we're good. It's, um, you know, water under the bridge or whatever. Okay, that took a little more finessing. That took a little more courage to, like, work up to admit, like, man, I kind of blew it in this situation. And so I would call that mid-hanging fruit. It wasn't impossible to fix, but it just took some, it took some finessing and it took some courage to do that. And, and, but God was faithful in it. So that's mid-hanging fruit. We all, maybe we all have, maybe you have no fruit. Like you could pick that's, I don't know, maybe your relationships are all good, but mine aren't all good. And mostly because it's my fault. <laughs> so there's low-hanging fruit, mid-hanging fruit, and then there's the high-hanging fruit. You, you got to get a ladder out for these ones, right? These are situations that seem impossible. Like the more you try to help the situation, it, like it gets, every time I touch it, it gets worse. Like I've tried to help make this better, but like every time I try to touch the situation, it gets worse and worse. It's like you're walking through 
a minefield every time you try to make the situation better. Have you, have you ever had this situation in your life, right? Not fun. Here's my advice with those relationships. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Because we could have a tendency when we've been pushed off once, twice, it's like a minefield. Oh, I'm just done with that person. I'm just going to write them off, forget you later. Well, listen, we really don't have the right to do that. What you do have the right to do is be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And it could be the case that God might say to you, you know what? You do need to set some boundaries and you need to give that some more time. That's, that's possibly true. And I'm not saying like reconciliation it doesn't always involve, oh, I'm going to go back to my ex or I'm going to allow myself to be in an abusive relationship or a toxic relationship. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is um, because sometimes forgiveness doesn't involve restoration. But um, what do we want to do, though? We want to be obedient to the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Jesus, he is our friend, but he's not just our buddy. He's also our Lord, right? Let him be the Lord of your finances. Let him be the Lord of your marriage. Let him be the Lord of your relationships. And when he says, do this, I want you to do this because I'm your Lord, do it, okay? We don't just do everything we feel like. We do things because he's Lord of our lives, amen? Is he your Lord? Do what he says. And so I have tried to maintain that posture. It's like, okay, God, it's not working right now. Um, I, I, more I try to fix this, it's, you know, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'll have some boundaries, give it some more time. But I never say I'm never talking to that person again. I'm writing that person off forever. I leave rooms for the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? Now I want you to reach out to that person. Now, I don't want to lead you on and say that it's always going to work out perfectly when you do that. Because there are situations where even if you do the right thing, maybe God wants your conscience to be clear. And it might not still work out the way you think it would, but we still have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit in those kind of situations. Last service, I gave an example of a dear lady in our church um, who walked this out. But she's in this service today, um, the second service, and it's Aline over here. And I want her to come up and tell a story from her own life. And I'll give you the microphone here. I just think this is so practical to our everyday life. So I'm going to let you tell the story. I told her story in the last service, and I checked with her. I'm like, did I tell the story right? And for the most part, I did, but I'm going to let you tell it this time. Um, in 2019. Hold it a little closer. In yep. 2019, at my mom's funeral, I had a cousin who had a very bad outburst while the service was happening. And I called everybody, and I said I would never forgive him. And June of last year, the pastor was preaching about forgiveness. And I walked over there in tears, and I explained the situation. I said, I think your message was for me. I said, I have a cousin I can't forgive. And he prayed with me, and he said, try. So I called him. I called a cousin, and I said, I no longer hold you in my heart. I want to forgive you. And he cursed me. <laughs> he cursed me, and it didn't go as planned. So I come back to the pastor and said, I forgave him. And I felt a weight lifted off of me. And this was June of last year, and my cousin passed away in September. And I was happy that I got the chance to forgive him.
so difficult thing for her to do. She reached out to this person. It didn't go well. But little did she know that this cousin was going to pass away just a couple months after that. And now her conscience is clear. She did everything in her power to make that relationship right or to, to bring forgiveness into that relationship. So I don't want to lie to you up here and say, if you just try, it's all going to work out great. No, it might not. But if the Lord prompts you into those minefield situations, if the Lord prompts you to reach out to that person and say, hey, I want to be good with you, um, let, 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 it, let the chips fall where they may, but we need to do our part. It says this in Romans 12, 17 through 18. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Watch this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You can't control other people's behaviors. You can't control what they do. But as far as it depends on us, we want to live at peace with everyone, as much as it depends on you. And she was obedient to the Holy Spirit and reached out to that person. It didn't go well, but now her conscience is clear because she forgave. She got that weight off of herself, first of all. And then secondly, her conscience is clear because she tried. So be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, I just want maybe you take inventory this morning. Maybe you have the low-hanging fruit. It's like, man, a text, a simple call would fix this, this strain in this relationship. Don't allow low-hanging fruit to exist. Like, just pick it. Maybe that's today. Go home and pick that low-hanging fruit. Mid-hanging fruit, why don't you pray about that? If there's some situations like, ah, eh, it's, it's going to be hard, but it's probably fixable. Pray about that. And then for the high-hanging fruit, just, you know, and maybe you're all thinking of a situation right now. Just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I know that the Lord doesn't want us to walk into abusive relationships and those kind of things, but he does, he is our Lord, and we need to listen to him. Amen? All right. So how do we become peacemakers? Number one, believe in and receive God's peace for us. We can't get past, if we can't get past that, we can't have peace in our lives. Number two, we need to walk in and have peace with others. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to be at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with the people around us. Number three, how do we become peacemakers? We need to minister God's peace to the world around us. This is one of your, this is something you're called to. Those who are God's peacemakers start with the peace of God within them. That, ple- that peace overflows to peace in their relationships. And that peace spills out to the her- a hurting world around us. Let me give you an example of this. We have the kingdom of God on the inside of us. And we want to manifest that kingdom everywhere we go. An example I like to use is like this. There's a difference between, between a thermostat and a thermometer. Right? What is a, thermom- uh, a thermometer? A thermometer simply adjusts to the temperature of the room. Like we, we uh, filled this up with water last night. It was cold, and um, you know, and it's warm now. But eventually, this water in this tank would equalize with the temperature in the room. It would just it, it eventually would become the same temperature as this room. And many people are like that. Many Christians are like that. They walk into a situation at their their house, their home, their their career, their relationships, and they are simply adjusting to the temperature of the room and becoming whatever the temperature of the room is. How many know a thermostat is different? A thermostat, you set the temperature of the room. And this is what we are supposed to do as believers in Christ. We are supposed to take the kingdom within us and say, you know, there's not peace in this situation, but I'm coming in with peace and I'm going I'm to bring light into darkness. Okay? Let me show you that you and I are called 
to bring life to a hurting world. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. New creations, yay. The past is forgotten and everything is new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. So there's where it starts. And he has given us the work of making peace between himself and others. He has given us, this is, your, this is what we're all called to, he's given us the work of making peace between himself and others. Imagine that. People's eternal destiny oftentimes hangs within the balance within us being a mediator between heaven and earth. This is what we're called to do. The Bible says that there's been given <clears throat> apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. And those aren't the people who do the ministry, actually. No, they're, they're equippers. And the saints are the ones that do the work of the ministry. They've been given apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists for the edifying, the building up of the saints for the work of the ministry. So we're actually all called to ministry. It's not just people who stand up here. We're all called to ministry. And one of the ministries we have is the ministry of reconciliation, where we declare to the world, be reconciled to God. Let's go on. Verse 19, it says this. What we mean is that God was in Christ offering peace and forgiveness to the people of the world. And he has given us the work of sharing his message about peace. We are sent to speak for Christ, and God is begging you to listen to our message. We speak for Christ and sincerely ask you to make peace with God. This is what you and I are called to do. We're called to tell people about the message of Jesus to be reconciled to their Father in heaven. It's the ministry of reconciliation. From the greatest of us to the least of us, we're all called to this. So I'll conclude with this. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Other translations say that they will be called children of God. So it's not a gender thing. I want to show you this, um, although in the Greek it says sons, I want to show you this, uh, this word in the Greek. It says this, a son by birth or adoption, figuratively, anyone sharing the same nature as their father. For the believer, becoming a son of God begins with being reborn that is adopted by the, hev- by the heavenly father. Through Christ, the work of the eternal son. In the New Testament, the, the word son equally refers to female believers. So again, it's not male or female. We're all sons of God. We're all children of God. But what do we have? We have the nature of our Father in heaven. We are partakers of the divine nature. Amen? Romans uh, 15.33 says that God is the God of peace. It says, the God of peace be with you all. Be with all y'all. The God of peace be with you all. God is the God of peace. And then Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, speaking of Jesus. This is before Jesus was born, but it was a messianic prophecy of him. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So here you have the God of Peace. Then you have Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And what about us, Christ followers? We are to be children of peace. Like father, like son, like daughter. Amen? The God of peace, the prince of peace, the sons and daughters of peace. We want to have the nature and character of our Father in heaven. And when we do, we will be peacemakers. 
To be a peacemaker is to live supernaturally. I think oftentimes we think of the supernatural like, <clears throat> I'm going to go raise the dead and cast out demons, and that's, that is supernatural, no doubt. But it's also, it's also living supernatural to be a peacemaker in your world, in your relationships, in your own life. That is actually living supernaturally. And Jesus says that's actually more important than coming here and worshiping or, or giving. It's pretty important to him. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Why don't you guys stand your feet? I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll close up here. <clears throat> Father, we love you. Undoubtedly, Lord, this message is challenging to every person because we live in a world of fallen people and we ourselves um, are fallible and make mistakes and have imperfections, Lord. But I thank you for your grace, Lord. And I just pray this morning for everyone here, first of all, God, that we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we have eternal peace with our Father in heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. The war is over, peace has begun. And God, I thank you that because peace is manifest between us and God, we can now bring peace to relationships in our life, Lord. I pray that we'd be peacemakers in our relationships, Lord. I pray for everyone here for that low-hanging fruit, that mid-hanging fruit, that high-hanging fruit, Lord, that we would take inventory with you, Lord. And God, maybe it's, maybe it's very easy to take that low-hanging fruit, but God, give us the courage to deal with the mid-hanging fruit, and God, give us the right timing to deal with the high-hanging fruit. We thank you, God. You want to bring healing into those relationships. And Father, lastly, we thank you, Lord that you want us, you've called us to bring peace to a hurting world, to, be, to have the ministry of reconciliation that is reconciling God to mankind because you want to use us to bridge that gap. And I thank you for every person here is called to do that, Lord. So God, we love you today. We thank you for this message. And um, I thank you, Holy Spirit, what you're speaking to people's hearts right now through it. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. All right.